Ask uh, Pastor Craig thanks, Johnson. Thanks, Pastor. Thanks so much. Yes. Amen. Excuse me. Oh, it's so good to be here with you today, and so good to have my good friend, Dr. Sandy Robinson. We we team up all over the world in, in, uh, in raising up champions clubs, and uh, she's, she's a great friend and an amazing uh, trainer and, and teacher uh, for those, uh, our organizations, when we launch champions clubs for special needs. So uh, we don't always get to go together, so this is very special. Uh, how many know you have a great pastor right here, Pastor Kent? Man, you know... I got, I've gotten a chance to really get to know him. We've eaten a lot, haven't we, man? <laughs> I think I've gained five pounds, uh, since, since I've been here, but, uh, man, he, he's a brilliant guy and j- just seeing the love of Christ that comes out of him wherever he goes. You know, we go to a restaurant and, and you could just see the joy of the Lord <laughs> in him and it, it man, it, it's, it's a magnet, you know, it really is a magnet, you know, when you're around him. And, and, uh, I've loved, this is my first time in Alaska. So I've never been to Alaska, but I love Alaska. I mean, he took me on a trip. Uh, what, what was the hotel we went up to? Alaska. Yeah, that was amazing. And just seeing that I've always wanted to come to Alaska. And so just to be here, but I'm going to tell you the best part of Alaska. It definitely is the people, um, just the people I've met and just how kind you are. And I've met people from Texas, uh, you know, from, from all over, uh, uh, the, I guess you you call continental United States, lower 48. That's right. I'll get You'll have to help me get the language right, right? The lower 48, but, uh, this is, this is truly a piece of heaven up here, you know? Uh, just God's great country. So, uh, God willing, we'll be back. I mean, I love Alaska, so it's been a, been a privilege to be here, uh, with you all today. How, how many's doing good this morning? Amen? You ready to receive God's word? And, uh, we just send greens from Lakewood today and, and, uh, just so glad to be here with you all. But I believe today, you know, is a special day, not just because we're launching the Champions Club, which I, I think is going to minister to so many families uh, throughout Anchorage and, and this area. And it's such a unique ministry because I think special needs families for so long have been forgotten. And, and, and I think it's really amazing how this church is reaching out. Matter of fact, you guys are setting uh, a, a new a new bar. You guys are, are are breaking down walls in this city, and I just applaud you for that. But I really believe today God's wanting to do something for you, and uh, maybe uh, today you're going through something in your life. And I, I believe today, not because I'm speaking. But I believe today may be unlike any other day you've been a part of because here's the reason why Jesus is here, amen? And he can do anything at any time, at any place in our lives, and it's transformational. And I want to talk to you today on the subject, coming out of the drought and into the abundance of rain. Coming out of the drought and into the abundance of rain. You know, how many knows this? Sometimes in life, things don't always go as planned, do they? You know, you, you, you thought you walked through one door and it seemed like, you know, life took a wrong turn and you found yourself in the desert and maybe you found yourself in a place or desert of epic proportions and you're not sure how you got there, but it just seemed like there was adversity on every side. I know we've all been there at that place and, you know, I'm from California, so we know about droughts in California and when there's a drought, you know, Many times, you know, you, you, you almost forget what rain tastes like, right? You forget that experience. 
And uh, I'm so glad, you know, I, I remember a drought that started in, in my life, but my life it started out a little bit different when I met my wife. And, you know, I want to introduce you to my family if we've got the picture up here. And uh, I've got a beautiful family. This is my family right here. And uh, that's my son, Corey. And uh, Corey is 28 years old, and uh, he's a children's pastor, and we're really proud of him. And that, then that's my daughter, Courtney. And Courtney is, uh, she's going to be 26 actually in October, and she's an actress uh, in Los Angeles. And so she just uh, got through doing the, the play Hamlet, and so just different things like that. So really proud of her. And then uh, that's my son, Connor, and Connor is 16 years old. Uh, he's a little younger in that picture. And the cool thing about Connor, he doesn't even know it, but God's using him all over the world. And, and it's so cool to see that. And then that's my wife, Samantha. So this January, we'll be married 30 years. So very cool. That's by far the longest I've ever went out with a girl. So that's a big deal right there, right? But you know, I remember when we first got married and we had all these plans, we had all these dreams. We had all these ideas. As a matter of fact, we even talked about, we said, you know, we're going to have our kids early so that when we're still young, you know, we'll be able to go and travel and minister and do all these things. But how many knows God has other plans, right? And uh, so, but we had a boy and a girl and uh, they were 12 and 10 and we thought we were done having children. And so I went on a Thursday to get that operation to be done having children. And then on the following Saturday, my wife came in crying and she said, Craig, you won't believe this, but I'm pregnant. And then I start crying and it got worse from there. Right. And after we got through the shock, you know, we were so excited to have our son, uh, Connor when he was born. But at that moment, pastor, something shifted. We didn't know it had shifted. It didn't really reveal itself until about two years later. But we were about to go on an unrehearsed destiny. What I mean by that is we didn't have a plan, but God had planned all along. And it was, it was not planned. It was unrehearsed. And, and you know, when you go through those times and when you come to that place, we didn't know it at the time, but we were about to come into a drought of effort proportions. And you know, I love this scripture in Psalm chapter 84, verses 5 through 7. This scripture really talks about when you're walking in a desert, when you're going through a drought. And it says this, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. How many knows it's important when you go through a drought, you know who your strength is in? Amen? You see, you're not in the desert to die. You're in the desert so God can show you a new way to live. He's getting you ready for something bigger. You don't realize it at that time. And he's going to take you through some things. But if he didn't take you through it, you probably couldn't handle what he was about to give you. And, a, and really the influence he's about to give you and place upon you. I love how the scripture continues to say right here, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. One thing I found out with droughts is some droughts are short. And some can be longer. But Here's the key to any drought whenever you're walking through something like this. And people ask me many times, you know, just sitting around leadership, what, Craig, you know, can you tell me a, a key to success? And I, I'll say, absolutely. One of the biggest keys to success is never giving up. Amen? That you keep on going. That you don't give up. You see, many times we want grace for next week. And we want grace for four months from now. We want grace for two years from now. But the truth of the matter is, God only gives us grace for a day. 
So he only gave the children of Israel manna for that day. And it's not because he doesn't want to bless us or he's trying to take something away from us. It's all about dependence upon him. That when we'll lean on him during the good times and the hard times, we'll realize how powerful he is, how real he is in our life, and how he can bring us out of very difficult situations that we couldn't get through ourselves. So in that pilgrimage, if we won't give up, God's going to meet us somewhere along that path, and he's going to bring us out of that drought. Amen? I love how it continues to say right here, it says, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Now, the Valley of Baca that this scripture speaks of was actually part of the desert country. And it was filled with thorns and it was filled with wild animals and vipers and all sorts of dangers. As a matter of fact, it was nearly impossible to pass through this valley without suffering some type of extreme hardship. Yet, this valley was really the only passageway into the high hills where Israel's city of refuge was located. As a matter of fact, some scholars state the Valley of Baca was also representative of the valley that led to the city of Jerusalem where the temple of God was found. And see what I found, I found that interesting because here's the thing, you know, when you're walking through, through a drought, you don't see that city of refuge, do you? You don't see those high hills. And many times when you're walking through that valley, you know, that's where the enemy attacks you. And he'll begin to attack you with thoughts that you're never going to make it. That why don't you give up? That, that there's no way that, that, that you can see in front of you. But here's, here's the amazing thing with God. You know, what the enemy wants to do many times when we're in a desert, he wants to load us down with garbage, doesn't he? And when he speaks to us those thoughts, and you know you'll get those thoughts when you're in a drought, Right? The enemy will come in right there and he'll begin to speak those things into your mind and everything. And that's the time when you're in that drought, when you begin to speak back, not necessarily to the enemy, but giving thanks to God. Or you're telling him, I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ. And it's during those times that what the enemy wants to do, he wants to load you down with garbage so you look down. Here's the problem. When you look down, you can't see what's in front of you. When you look straight ahead, that's even better. But you can only see so far. But here's the great thing. When you look up, amen? amen? That's where your redemption draws nigh. See, see, God's like a chess master. <laughs> see, a chess master, they know how the game's, game ends after four or five moves of the game. They're a master at it. They see how it ends. And I want to encourage you, whatever you are going through the, today, that your game or your life does not end in defeat. It ends in victory, Amen? That God has a plan for your life, and he wants to take you through that. You know, the scripture goes on right here to say, and they make it a spring. And the rain also covers it with pools. I love that because when you're in the desert, you know, people many times will ask me, you know, what's my purpose in life? And scripture really, really talks about that, actually. It says to give thanks in everything, right? Because here's the thing, when you're in the desert, how many knows this? You don't want to give thanks necessarily, right? I mean, when the enemy's loading you down, when he's hitting you, that's not the time you want to give thanks. But when you can give thanks, even in the middle of the desert, what happens is it makes it a spring right there. Even when there's nothing there, it makes it a spring. And it's what I call reservoirs, you know? It, when you can give thanks in this desert, what you'll do is you'll build a reservoir. And it won't be just for this desert. It'll be for the desert that you'll speak to on down the road. You see, when you make it the reservoir, it will sustain you because it goes on to say they go from strength to strength. I love that. 
I love that. They go from strength to strength. What are you, what are you talking about, Pastor Craig? Well, once you conquer your desert, you won't respond to the next desert the same way. You move from survivor to overcomer, amen? Your test becomes your testimony. You live in the vision instead of the circumstances. And I know some of you are facing some difficult struggles right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe you're, you're, you're struggling with, with your need and a touch in your body, healing. Maybe it's a child away from God. I don't know what you're facing today. Maybe, maybe it's financial issues or, or you're being faced with overwhelming obstacles, not, not just for, for, for months, but possibly for years. I'll never forget when me and my wife, we came into our drought. You see, our son, when he was born, he was really just like our other two kids. By the time he was one and a half to two years of age, you know, Connor would play with other playmates and, and, and when they would come over and, and he showed so much emotion and he would give us a hug and a kiss and, 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 and just was so affectionate and everything. And then he would also, he had really great language between the age of one and a half to two years of age. He would say, I love you, mommy and daddy. And he would say all these different types of words. But all of a sudden, when he was about two years of age, in a matter of about a couple weeks, all that shifted. Where my son would play with other friends, now he would sit by himself and play by himself and stare off at the wall. Where he would give us a hug and a kiss and show so much emotion and affection, now he stopped showing any emotion whatsoever and he wouldn't even look us in the eye, he would look away. Where he would say, I love you, mommy and daddy, and he would say all these different words and everything. All of a sudden, he stopped speaking altogether. And the only way I can really explain it is it was like a bad car wreck, where one day your child's one way, and very soon after that, he's totally different. And I remember during that time, you know, Pastor, we, we didn't really know what to do. We didn't know how to respond to it. We never had a child with autism really in our family that we knew of. And, and what families like mine will face many times is you'll, you'll face different things. For instance, you know, you'll, you'll face... How do you develop your child? Because that's the first thing you try to figure out. Because we soon found out, we got the diagnosis with, with Connor, that he was on the middle of the spectrum. I'll never forget that time because I was driving home. My wife called me and she said, you know, Texas Children's Hospital uh, just called. And we, we already knew we were in the drought at that time. And, and, and they, said, they said that he's on the middle of the spectrum with autism. And I remember sitting in the car. And just like I was talking about a minute ago, the enemy started just speaking to me one word after another. Your child will never be like your other children. Your child will be worthless. Your child, your child will have no worth uh, on this earth. He. He, 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 he will be forgotten uh, to so many people. He'll, he'll not be a part of a community, not be inclusive in any way. And I remember during that time, I could either receive those thoughts, but I thank God for the church, the community I was in, because we were a church of hope like this church right here. And still listening to those voices, I hit the gas in my car. I drove home. I drove up to the driveway. And I remember picking up my little two-year-old boy. And I said, you are not a victim. You are a victor. I said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror. And it's at those moments in the desert when we could speak to our mountains instead of letting our mountains speak to us that God can really work in our lives. I remember during that time, you know, we started to try to figure out how do we help our child? How do we develop him? 
We were believing for him every day to be healed. But, but you know, here's the thing many times, and we forget this. We need to believe. We need to pray every day. But we can't just pray everything away. And what I mean by that is God wants us to respond to where they are, they are at right now, but keep believing for them in the future and what kind of plan he has for them. And so if you look at schooling in, in America, they'll tell you they're failing in two areas, at-risk kids and special needs. The reason why they're, they're failing with special needs, it's not because we don't have good teachers. It's not because we don't have good administrators. The reason why they're failing is there's too many kids now. It's very tough for, for you to ask teachers in public schools to develop a child on the middle of the spectrum with a one to eight ratio. The classes are filled, they're packed out. And so you're not seeing children develop like, like, like they could be. And then if you want to put them in a private school, it's 1500 to $5,000 a month. Then it, it, another thing that families like mine face is that we're going to face rejection from society. And that's true. You know, I've been in restaurants. I've been in different places where, you know, you understand it. You know, when, when, when in our human condition, when we see something different, we just don't know how to respond to it. And, and so I've been asked, because my son's been there, I've been asked to leave restaurants. Uh, you could tell people are, are uncomfortable, all those different types of things. And people don't mean it, but, but it... it when you feel that rejection, it's really hard as a family. And what families like mine tend to, tend to happen with us is we become shut in. And then when you look at the church, you know, how many knows this? The church through Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, amen? But here's a, here's a challenge with the church. The church has forgotten these families in many ways. Because less than 1% of churches have anything for special needs. Yet now there are over 53 million kids, teens, and adults with special needs across America. And when you think about that for a minute, that's amazing. Autism in the last 10 years has went from 100, 1 in 110 kids being diagnosed with autism to now it's 1 in 48. If it goes another 10 years, it's an epidemic. If it goes, and that's just one form of special needs. And see, what families like mine are looking for is we're looking for hope every week. We know what we're dealing with. We know what we're facing, but we're looking for hope every week. But when you can't go to a church or when you try and it just becomes so hard and you, you, you know, you don't blame the church, but, but what many times happens is that they, they look at the church as, as help. And when the church doesn't know how to respond, it's difficult for them to help. And then the families are hurt by it and you just, it, it, it just comes with a challenge. But I thank God that MCA church is changing that right here in Alaska and you're going to reach families all over this area. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap by starting a champions club. And you're going to begin to change that. And it's going to bring in families like mine, because here's the deal. We want to be a part of a community. We want to get hope every week. We want to bring our families. But if you don't have anything for our families, it's tough for our kids to be able to come to your church. Another thing that we face and we face with our son is when he stopped talking, you know, he knew he could talk at one time, but he couldn't get it out anymore. And so what would happen is he would, he would point like this and, and, and frustration would begin to build. And, and he's still trying to figure it out. What, what, you know, how do I just walk through autism? And, and, and what he would begin to have is these terrible meltdowns. And here's the thing. We were trying everything, every type of therapy, every type of help we could. And you, you'd see a little progress a little bit, but we just, it, it, it's, a, it's a journey. It, it's kind of walking through the desert right there. And, and it's a journey. 
And when he struggled, he would have these terrible meltdowns. I remember one time in a store, he had a terrible meltdown with, with my wife when she didn't know what he wanted. And, and I remember him banging his head up against the floor and, and scratching himself and everything. We'd never seen him do this and everything. And it just kind of built and built and built. I remember my wife coming home that day, pastor, and she said, I'm not sure if I can take it anymore. You've got to understand, my wife's my hero. She's one of the strongest people ever met, you'll ever meet. And I knew she was just saying that off of frustration. But, but it, it was probably one of the most vulnerable times in our life. And I remember driving to work that day, and I, I was low, man. Even as a pastor, I, I, I was low. And I was driving. I'll never forget this. It was like Jesus was sitting in the car seat next to me. It was like I was having a conversation with him because he's near the brokenhearted, amen? And, 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 and I was having a conversation with him, and I just asked God why. Have you ever asked God why when you're going through something really difficult? Not why we had our son, because we loved our son. But I just asked him, God, why is he struggling so much? We're trying everything. Why is he struggling so much? I'll never forget what God spoke to me. It, was, it wasn't audible, but it was as close to audible as it ever could be. And he said this, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. I said, God, you know, I know what you mean. <laughs> we love our son, but he's struggling so much. I, I still wasn't fully getting it because that's hard for a special needs parent to get that your child's not a burden, <laughs> Right? That your child's a gift. I said, God, but he's struggling so much. And God said to me again, he said, Craig, your child's not a burden. Your child's a gift. He said, you're looking at everything that's wrong with him. You're not looking at everything that's right with him. I said, God, what are you saying? He said, Craig, I'm going to use your son to reach millions of people around the world. Now, I got to be honest with you. I have 28 ministers in my family. (laughs) I come from a legacy of pastors, but... I was so low at that time, I I couldn't see it. I said, God, and I remember picking up a ball of water. I said, God, my son can't even ask for a drink of water. How's he going to reach millions of people? I'll never forget what God spoke to me. And these are the four words God will speak to you whenever you're in the desert. Whenever you're needing that cool cup of water, whenever you're going through a difficult time, he'll usually speak these four words to you. And he just said this, do you trust me? And you know, I didn't give him the pastoral answer. I didn't have it, right? I just said, God, there is no cure for autism unless you healed my son. But I trust you. And I remember after I got through having that conversation, I thought things were going to get better. And here it comes. It gets worse, right? You know, here's a testing time. Here's a time where, where, where you've got to lean in and trust him. And I remember during that time, I could not pray elaborate prayers. I just didn't have it in me. But all I could pray, I would say, Jesus. Or I would say, I trust you. And I found out with God that was enough, amen? If you can speak the name of Jesus, if you can tell him you trust him, you know, he can bring you through those difficult circumstances. But about three months later, my wife comes in calling from upstairs. She said, Craig, Craig, get up here, get up here. I thought something was a matter. And so I run upstairs and I said, I said, what is it? And she's crying. She said, Craig, I was putting Carr to bed and I was reading him a couple books. And she said, I was just praying over him as I was putting him to bed. And all of a sudden he began to speak. He began to say one word after another word, one sentence after another sentence, one paragraph after another paragraph. Now you've got to realize I've never heard my son put together more than two words in three years. I said, what do you mean he began to speak? 
And she said he began to speak. And I'll never forget this. My wife walked me over to his bed and, and she kind of leaned over his bed and she said, Connor, Connor, say it for mommy and daddy. Say it again. And my little five-year-old boy lifted up his head and actually looked at us and all of a sudden he began to speak. And he said, this is my Bible. I am what says I am. I have what says I have. I can do what says I can do. Today I'll be... Today I'll be a part of the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. That was my son's first words. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. You see, we weren't just clapping our hands. We were jumping up and down, right? And I remember during that time, God, it was, it was like the God, the breakthrough. He came in when we needed the most and everything. I remember speaking at Lakewood about a couple weeks later. I don't know about your church, but we're criers at Lakewood, right? And, and I, I spoke about the God, the breakthrough. And I showed Connor for the first time on a video speaking his first words. You see, it wasn't just words. It was a spiritual declaration that we speak every week in our church. And I watched our congregation just begin to weep. I remember Pastor he was just crying on the front row and everything. And he comes up to me afterwards. He says, Craig, can I speak about this miracle? And I said, absolutely. And so a couple, I, I guess it was about a month later, he spoke about that miracle. And that video went viral around the world. And people started seeing us emails from Cambodia and Africa and around the world saying how our son's testimony and story had impacted their lives. You see, I didn't remember what God spoke to me in the car, but already millions of people had heard his testimony and seen what had happened. But I'll never forget when I did realize and remember what God said to me in the car. I was sitting in Chicago White Sox Stadium. We are doing a night of hope. 50,000 people there that were going to, and three cores of them would come forward to receive Christ and they wanted to share Connor's testimony. And so it was on a big screen like this and everything. And pastor wanted us to walk out with our son, you know, onto the baseball field. And we're walking out and Connor's waving at everybody, right? And then all of a said and God said remember when you were in the car remember when I told you to trust me he said look at all these people right here they're being touched by me and your son's testimony he said I never go back on my word when I tell you to trust me and you believe it I'll come through every time amen and then we knew this though to be a fact we knew even though God was doing something powerful he'd done this miracle how many knows your droughts aren't necessarily over after that right and we were facing droughts of effort proportions, everything from him being potty trained. He, he was almost eight years old and still not potty trained. We tried everything. Also, you know, one of the biggest ones were these meltdowns. And I'll never forget this. You know, I said, God, you know, how, we need to break these droughts. We, we've been praying for so long, but Father, what, what would you say if, to come out of the drought and in the abundance of rain? What would you say? And God gave me two things. He said, Craig, number one, he said, I want you to begin to pray bold prayers. Not just get by prayers, but pray bold prayers. I love what Psalm 34 it says, I pray to the Lord and he answered me. 
Psalm 22 says, they cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. See, droughts are not the time to complain. You have to do it probably when you first get off your chest and cry and complain and stuff like that. But man, they're the time to proclaim. When you can let that go and begin to proclaim God's goodness and begin to believe again and trust him, he can begin to work in those circumstances. See, the children of Israel, when they were coming out of Egypt, you know, it was supposed to take only 11 days, but it was murmuring and complaining that kept them in there for 40 years. And God just said, Craig, I don't want you to just, just, just try to get by. He said, I want you to pray bold prayers. And so I'll never forget this. I was in, we were in Washington, D.C., and a good friend of mine named Mark Batterson was there. Mark's a great pastor, and he's an author. And I was telling him what we were going through with these droughts, Pastor. And he, he said, you know, I've got a brand new book that's coming out. It's called The Circle Maker. And he said, he said, it's not even out yet, Craig, but it just talks about praying bold prayers. And I began to read it, and it was talking about this, this guy named Honai from Jewish history. And, and in Jewish history, they were in a drought for an entire year. And everybody tried everything to bring rain down, but they had not had any rain. But Honai, this eccentric sage, this believer, he, what he did, he came out with a six-foot staff. And what he did, he walked around into the town circle and he began to draw the biggest circle they could. 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 360 degrees. And then he kneeled down and he began to pray three bold prayers that God would begin to bring rain for the first time. And you see, when rain is plentiful, it's an afterthought. But during a drought, it's the only thought, amen? <laughs> And so he began to pray right here, and he, his first prayer was this, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in a year, it happened, and rain began to fall for the first time. Well, all the people began to look up, but Honai knew he didn't just, they didn't, some people didn't just need rain, they need a flood, amen? So he prayed a second prayer. He said this, not for such rain have I prayed but for rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. And all of a sudden, thunder began to break out and a downpour began to take place and people began to run for cover. See, God wasn't just doing one miracle. He was doing two miracles and a flood began to take place. But Honai knew that God was even bigger than that. And so he stayed right there in the middle of that circle praying bowl, another bold prayer. And this is what the prayer he prayed right here. He said, he said, Lord, and this was a more refined, bold request. He said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor, for blessing, and for graciousness. And all of a sudden, it began to open up. The clouds did, and it began to rain calmly and peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace and his healing and his love and his peace and his hope. And right there, I thought to myself, you know, pastor, if God can do it for Honai, can't he do it for me? Amen. You know, if, if God can do that, and if I can pray bold prayers, and, and he could do it for me, and then, then God spoke to me. He said, Craig, I don't want you to just pray bold prayers. He said, another thing I want you to do is I want you to begin to speak the word of God. How many knows the word of God is powerful? He said, sharper than a two-edged sword. He said, I want you to begin to speak the word of God. And so what I did, I remembered... Our, our matriarch, Mama Doty, she had metastatic cancer of the liver. 
And I'll never forget Mama Jody Osteen, what she would do every morning is she'd take a Bible and not to desecrate or anything like that. She was just a little lady and, and she would literally stand on the word of God. And she took 30 healing scriptures from the Bible and every morning she began to pray these healing scriptures. And she began to speak the word of God over her situation. A couple months later, she went back to the doctor and she was completely healed of metastatic cancer of the liver. And I thought to myself, you know, God, if you can do it for Honai, if you can do it for Mama Doty, can't you do it for us? We've been in this drought for eight years. We've been in another drought for 10 years. God, can't you do it for us? But see, I didn't have uh, any staff laying around my house. But what I did have, I had one of these Swiffers right here, right? And I began to take my Swiffer. I pulled out of the closet. And I began to just draw my circle. Now, let me tell you something. We've been in that drought for a while. I didn't draw a small circle. I drew a big circle. You know why? Because we serve a big God, don't we? And he can do things that man cannot do. And I began to draw it 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 360 degrees. And where I draw it is I begin to pray bold prayers. And I begin to speak the word of God. I would draw it outside of our house. I would draw it around my son's room. I would draw it around our car. Let me tell you something. People thought we were crazy when they saw us drawing circles around the car and the house. But how many knows this? Sometimes you've got to get a little crazy if you want to see a miracle take place when you've had a drought in your life. Can you say amen? And so we begin to draw, draw, draw our circle. We begin to pray bold prayers. Then we took 30 healing scriptures and we begin to speak the word of God. Here's a powerful thing. Not only was God listening, my little boy was listening, Connor. See, Connor began to hear those scriptures, and every time we'd take him to school or church, he'd say, healing scriptures, mommy and daddy? Healing scriptures? Pretty soon, he began to learn them. Pretty soon, he began to memorize them. One day, he cut his foot, and we were helping him, and he, he was crying. He said, and we said, Connor, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And all of a sudden, Connor lifted up his head, and he said, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and they will pray over him. And he began to quote the scriptures. You say, wow, that, well, he's just quoting the scriptures. No, when they parallel that with what they're going through, that's a miracle for a child with autism. That he was paralleling the scripture with what he was feeling. His behavior, it was powerful. And so we begin to draw our circles. We begin to pray bold prayers. We begin to speak the word of God. And I am not joking. About three months later, my son, who had not went to the bathroom by himself for eight years, walked by us from outside, went right past us in the living room, went to the bathroom by himself, and he's been going by himself ever since. It was a miracle of God. Then all those, all those uh, breakdowns and all those, those terrible fits that he'd had for so long, it was like God took a button and he hit a red button. He said, those are gonna be over for that time, and all of a sudden those were over, and I saw God do two miraculous miracles in, in, in a matter of three months in between each other. And here's what I'm saying to you today. You say, Pastor Craig, you know, I'm going through a drought right now. I'm going through some different things in my life. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's financially. I don't, I don't know what you're dealing with today. Maybe you're going through things where you've got a son or daughter that's lost. Maybe it's healing. What am I saying to you today? If God can do it for me, can he do it for you too? Amen? So here's what I'm saying. Can you pray bold prayers? 
Can you begin to speak the word of God over your situation? I want you to get your bat. I don't know if hockey sticks are big up here, right? I want you and begin to draw your circle. Don't pray just get by prayers. Pray bold prayers. Begin to speak the word of God. And if God could do it for me, he can do it for you. I believe God wants to bring some of you today. You're going to come out of the drought and into the abundance of rain. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know if God can do it for me, he can do it for you today. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each person that's here today, God. And God, I don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know what they're going through today, God. But I know this, God. I I believe and declare for big things today, God, that when we pray bold prayers, you can do big things. And God, we're believing big. We're expecting big, God. And I, got, I ask God that you'll bring to pass those hidden dreams that are deep in the hearts of people every day. They've forgotten to dream, Father. They've been in drought so long. And maybe it's in their relationships or maybe it's financially or, or, or maybe it's physically, Father, that they've, they, they've, they've forgotten what you can do, God. God, if certain promises don't look like they will happen, Father, I ask that they'll not be intimidated, Father. They won't give up. Because God, I know that we pray in boldness, expecting you to show yourself strong, that nothing is too difficult for you. And if you can do it for Honai, God, if you can do it for Mama Doty, God, you could do it for me. And you could do it for me, you can do it for them. And I just want to ask today, first thing I want to ask is this. One of the greatest ways you can come out of the drought is if you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Or maybe you want to rededicate your life to Christ today. And you just say, Pastor Craig, I want to start there. If you want to come out of the drought, that's the greatest way you can by accepting him as your personal Savior or rededicating your life. And you just lift up your hand and you say, Pastor Craig, pray for me today. I want to rededicate my life or I want to ask Jesus into my life today. Wherever you're at in the building, just lift up your hand. We want to pray. Yes. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. All over the building. Amen. In the venues, yes, yes. Here's what I want to do real quickly. I want to just pray. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. But stay here with me because we're going to do one more call for, for those that are going through droughts. But let's pray this prayer right now. Just say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I give my heart and I give my life to you today. Thank you, God, for being my Savior. I can't wait to serve you and one day be with you in heaven. So thank you for this miracle today of your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. So many people lift up their hands. Here's the second thing I want to do. I want to ask you today, how many of you are going through a drought in your life? Financial, relational, come on, all over the building, all over the building, all over the building. Yeah, I see your hands. Listen, we all go through it. Everybody goes through it. Here's what I want to do. I want to close this service out today, and I want you to do something bold with me. I want you, as they begin to play and they begin to sing, I want you to come forward. If you're going through a drought, I want you to stand with me here today. We're going to pray a bold prayer together. We're going to believe that this is going to be unlike any other day. 
And that God's going to bring you out of that drought and into the abundance of rain. So if you lift up your hand as they sing, I want you to come and join me right here in front as they sing. Come on. Come on. If you want to come out today. Caught up in your presence.